0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox.
1: And I'm Kate Nishimura.
0: It is July. Can you believe it? Can you believe it, Kate?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, given the hailstorm that's happening outside my window, yeah, that was it, very exciting. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how to, how to feel about that. Um, but yes, it is a new month. Summary, whether it feels like it or not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you had hail, and I had someone outside of my building who had a, a noisy muffler. So oh, great! Just let's bring it on. Is this all you got? Is this yeah. all you got? Uh, I know it's <laughs> July, so what I was wondering, Kate, what are what are some of your favorite summer activities?
1: Ooh, uh, well, this will come as no surprise to you or anyone who's heard me speak about anything, <laughs> but basically just a being outside, you know, going for, for walks, hikes, uh, camping (laughs) when possible. Uh, when I was a child, I used to spend a lot of time up North at my grandparents' cottage. And, um, yeah, so pretty much summer is synonymous with being outside for me. (laughs) Uh, although this year also hoping to do some reading and, um, some indoor stuff as well. What about you?
0: Um, I, you know, uh, just being outside, I was thinking, the, uh, yesterday i went for a hike by myself which probably isn't mm. a good idea around here because in ah, um, solo uh, some guy range. just got attacked by a bear <laughs> oh yeah bring bear bells the,
1: have you ever do you know what I, those are
0: yeah uh, i passed an elderly woman who had one on her dog which was a great idea yeah um i assume you don't need a dog uh but <laughs> no you could just you can just one.
1: attach them to your backpack or something
0: yeah, yeah. But it's because it's the, the blueberries are out here in Sudbury. Um, yes. So the, the bears are kind of out a little bit more than snack. usual. Yeah. <laughs> and coming from a province yes. that doesn't have any bears, it was very strange moving <laughs> here. Right. Um, yes. Where it's kind of a regular occurrence that you see them. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I was on this hike and I was thinking of like, what aspects of the hike do I enjoy the most? And mm-hmm. I think it's the smell. Yeah. And I I find when I'm not, (laughs) this sounds really weird, when I'm not smelling enough, I don't appreciate it enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good to know. You'll have to come up with some like, I don't know, maybe you can identify what some of the plants are that you're smelling and then go to places that have more of those. Because like at certain times of year, you know, if certain shrubs are flowering and they smell really strong and stuff like that, or like a cedar forest, oh, Mm. it
0: smells so nice cedar yeah Yeah, the place i went they had built a um like a sanctuary for monarch butterflies at the beginning of the trail so there's uh many 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 beautiful smelling flowers and speaking of of beauty and beautiful people and beautiful souls (laughs) we we had the great opportunity to speak with Jackie Dawson, who is director of bands at the University of Manitoba, where she conducts the wind ensemble, the concert band, teaches various courses in music education, and is just a phenomenal human being.
1: Yeah, we did. We had a really nice conversation, talked about um, quite a few, you know, beautiful community kind of stories and full circle stories type of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was left feeling just really Really happy and joyful, which, as you will hear in the episode, is something that Jackie feels strongly about. Um, so yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was really really great.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm always in inspired by um, professionals specifically who are never done learning and are willing to go mm-hmm. on to better themselves and are that example to maybe us younger professionals and even you know their students. Yeah. Probably most importantly, um, and yeah, and Jackie sure. it just. Uh, is finishing up her her DMA while still being (laughs) director of bands at the University of Manitoba and a mom, and not any kind of mom, a hockey mom, like the busiest (laughs) kind of mom. (laughs) It's true. uh,
1: I know, I can only imagine.
0: Yeah, so she she does it all. It was a really fantastic conversation Um, and we want lots of people to be able to hear this conversation. And Mm -hmm. there's one thing that you... Hopefully, maybe, maybe just maybe, would consider uh, doing for us. And what would that be, Kate?
1: Well, that would be if you fine listeners uh, could head on over to Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening, and make sure that you give the Bandroom Podcast a rating and a review. It really does help to um, connect us with with more people who can listen to the podcast. As Dylan mentioned, if you're listening on. Uh, Spotify or wherever else you are listening to this podcast make sure you've subscribed to BRP so that you hear all the new episodes and thank you to everybody who has shared our work with other people with friends family teachers colleagues etc it really is a huge help to us
0: Mm -hmm. thank you so 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 much and yeah as usual we went off into bonus episode land and I'm, I'm laughing mm-hmm. because, and it's my fault probably, but for the second week in a row, um, Canada's greatest export, Jens Lindemann, strikes again. So if you want to hear more fantastic stories about the greatest trumpet player to ever live, Jens Lindemann, <laughs> um, you can you can hear him by uh, checking out our Patreon page. And that is patreon.com slash... Bandroom Pod, where you can have access to our conversation that we had about about Jens uh, and uh, his time at the University of Kansas this year with with Jackie and her colleagues, uh, as well as um, access to Patreon community hangouts, which we had this week. And wow, was it a good time! It was such a good time. <laughs> so you can you can come to those and uh, hang out with Kate and I. Uh, we can ask you questions you can ask us questions it's, it was just it's just a great time um, mm-hmm. so you can check that out once again by going to patreon.com slash but enough about that without further ado here is our conversation with jackie dawson Here we are for another exciting Bandroom podcast. And today we have the great pleasure of being joined by Jackie Dawson from the University of Manitoba. Welcome to the Bandroom, Jackie.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: You're someone that I've, I've only got to see in Zoom meetings and have <laughs> never really gotten to talk to. So, so I'm grateful for this opportunity. And I'm even more grateful for, uh, for you taking the time. Uh, Out of, you know, vacation (laughs) to come talk to us. Oh, no worries. No, thank you. And and relaxation time. Because we've all, especially for you, how important that would be for a very busy year that you've had. Uh, I guess we'll start where we always start. Where, why, and how did you start your musical journey?
2: Well, I, uh, I was born and raised in St. John's, Newfoundland. In fact, I uh, left Newfoundland in 1997, so uh, my musical journey began there. Um, and I was very fortunate to uh, go through a school system that was um, had kind of a legacy and tradition of excellence in music in both choral and band programs. So mm-hmm. I was exposed to music making in the schools. Um, In addition to some, you know, private piano lessons as a young child. uh, But there was such an incredible tradition of music making um, that, you know, just was inescapable. It was just what you did. You sang in the school choir and you joined the school band. And it was um, it was it was just part of the fabric. So Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to be immersed in that culture Um, and not only in the school system, but music making. Um, from a, you know, a, in an amateur and in a, uh, kind of a social way is, is a huge part of the fabric in Newfoundland as well. Wow. So it was always there. Um, and the band program that I was the school I attended, uh, the band program began in grade five. So my oh. introduction to playing in band was, you know, 10 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm still in touch with my very first band teacher, uh, on Facebook and and uh, you know see her from time to time at professional engagements. Um her name is Elizabeth Philpot and I you know I'm forever indebted to her. She she was just a, a wonderful um and still is an, an incredible music educator. And so that mm-hmm. is kind of where it all began and um and you know uh, stayed in in that school system uh, music making culture right through to the end of grade 12. So, uh, yeah. And then went on to do my undergraduate degree at Memorial University of Newfoundland, where I did a, uh, conjoined degree in music and music education.
0: Oh, great. And it, it should be said because I don't know what, what it has been the past couple of weeks we've been talking to people and they've either been a clarinetist or a trumpet player, Ah. which is what we are. But, um, so maybe it's some kind of, you know, subconscious bias that we have. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but you you are a clarinetist, but you didn't start life as a clarinetist.
2: I I'm primarily, now there is an interesting story <laughs> and getting back to my very first band teacher who again, if it weren't for her persistence, maybe mm-hmm. I would not be here today, very possibly, I would say most likely. Um I started on flute for not even a couple of weeks maybe a month mm-hmm. and okay. was just I have these vivid memories of everyone lined up looking you know as a flute player looking in the mirror and trying to do <laughs> get, you know trying to um get the correct embouchure and and her working with everybody and I just could not get a sound that I mm-hmm. was proud of in any capacity and uh I was ready to throw in the towel. I just thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, uh, right. she convinced me to switch to clarinet. So I never looked back again. So I, <laughs> yeah, I really did. I definitely cannot claim that I play flute. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> clarinet is, has been my, uh, has been my instrument, primary instrument all these years. And in fact, um, I haven't played nearly as much in the last 15, 10 to 15 years. I quit played as much as, um, as time allowed until that time. And then this year in Kansas, I, I joined a clarinet quartet yeah. and I played again. So that was really exciting <laughs> to to go back into, uh, where it all began and play again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I saw those pictures on Facebook. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. So then you were you were off to to memorial and and what was it that um, kind of I guess well you you just talked about how inspirational your music teacher was. Yeah. So did that play a role in, into why you wanted to become a music teacher yourself?
2: Yeah, I had several incredible music teachers through uh, junior high and high school. Um, just inc- incredible mentors, and uh, they were a huge inspiration and motivation. Um, But it wasn't an easy, it wasn't, uh, I guess, a clear path the whole Mm -hmm. time. Um, There was a point in high school where I had determined I was going to do physiotherapy, actually. And Mm -hmm. I kind of uh, had, you know, just made that decision and I stopped taking private clarinet lessons and was starting to shift my focus on sciences. And I was a volleyball player in high school as well. So I had this sports love and I, you know, kind of identified a little bit as an athlete. And so I was, you know, kind of experimenting in these different worlds a little bit and then decided in grade 12 after the deadline to to apply for university, um, the School of Music, I decide quite late, no, I have to do this. What am I thinking? And I've (laughs) obviously never looked back. So it wasn't clear. And and I enjoy sharing that story with my students and with, um, you know, uh, students in high school who are contemplating a career in music, because it's not, you know, people often assume, oh, you just know from the moment you Mm -hmm. pick up your instrument. And I don't think it's always that clear. I think people have to go through lot of phases of the journey to, to come to that answer
0: yeah it's interesting because I, I think uh, kind of your your I don't want to say your public school teaching experience is, a, is an example of that but you're you're someone who had interest and has interest not only in band music but in in choral music and in string music so could you talk about your your time in Newfoundland but then leaving and heading over to Manitoba right. and how because you've you, you taught in the in the public school system for Quite some time before yes. you became director of bands. Yeah. The, of the, the, I, uh,
2: the music education program at Memorial was second to none. It, it was just such an incredible experience for pre-service teachers to come out so equipped. And you truly come out as a music educator. I never mm-hmm. felt when I graduated there that I was a band teacher or a choral mm-hmm. teacher. I just truly felt that I was a music educator. Um, there was so much, um, so much attention to the curriculum in a way it was a triple thread approach really, because you had okay. string training, choral training, and your right. band training. Now, of course you declared an area of specialty where, uh, when you, uh, you applied to do your student teaching internship, you, you know, you went into that area, but mm-hmm. Uh, you really did gain a lot of experience through the methods courses and through uh, various teaching opportunities along the way. Uh, we, there's a fabulous lab band program, lab band and orchestra program there where you 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 teach all of the orchestra and band instruments and you rotate through them and um, you just feel so equipped. So when I left there, Although you know it, there was a long way to go and a lot to learn, I didn't feel wrong applying mm-hmm. for a choral job, or I didn't feel yeah. wrong applying for a job that had some elementary music. Um, right. So that was great. And I mean, albeit you felt very green and that you you know you were afraid <laughs> of anything that came your way, I, I was so honored, or like or so thankful to have all of this great training. So um that is one uh, one real hallmark of that program. And so when I came to Manitoba, um the job I had applied for was a choral and a band job. And I think that's really what got my foot in the door for that particular position was that I I I was trained and felt equipped to take that position. Um, mm-hmm. so there was a bit of both. And then the second job I went on to here in Manitoba was the same thing. It was a, a, a split coral band job. So Great. um you know, that, that really set me up uh, in, my, in the early years of my career for sure.
0: It's always a good reminder to, you know, make yourself as available to, to any opportunity as possible and, and also the willingness for you to say, yeah, I'm going to go do that even though, you know, I, I might be specializing in band. Mm-hmm. But um, but your willingness to do that is is also mm-hmm. a, just a good reminder for people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. It sounds as though you have always had a pretty well-rounded, varied life. Even in talking about your high school experience, being an athlete and thinking about going into physiotherapy, but still wanting to do music and all of that. So it makes sense that you would be that kind of educator as well. And that kind of student in the post-secondary studies, right. Trying a little bit of everything. And it's such a good reminder because I think so many people think that you have to know exactly what it is you want to do and only do that. And very rarely does it actually go that way. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. 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 Um, so what inspired you to pursue a master's in conducting uh, at the University of Manitoba? And we'd also love to hear you talk about studying with Dale Lawness. Mm-hmm.
0: The, the Dolly Lawness. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's from that's from Darren.
3: <laughs> I, I love it. I
2: love it. I've not heard that, I don't think. I love it. Um, so I was teaching at Vincent Massey Collegiate. That That was the program where I spent the duration of my public school teaching. I was there for 16 years. Um, Vincent Massey Collegiate here in Winnipeg, and uh, I was like, yes, I must have been about my fourth year for yeah. I just finished my fourth year in that school, and I always knew I wanted to pursue a master's degree. In fact, I had looked at I had done a several summer symposiums, um, and I had spent a summer a a. a I did a week long symposium at the University of Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. and was quite interested in that program. And I looked at the program in Victoria, UBC. This again, the summer program, because I was a a public school teacher and I was looking at the options for summer study. Um, And so I I always knew I was going to pursue a master's degree, and whether that was going to be a master's in music or a master's in music education, remained to be seen. But I certainly explored all the options. And uh, Dale was here. As dean of the uh, Faculty of Music here at the University of Manitoba, and uh, he was conducting the Winnipeg Wind Ensemble at the time, which Mm -hmm. I played in, and of course we got to know each other quite well. I'd have him out to work with my groups and um, attended many professional development sessions with him. And he began the uh, Canadian Wind Conductors Development Program here in Winnipeg, which I started attending, and it was a three three summer program. And uh, we just got talking, and it just it made sense. I mean. I Dale being a music educator at heart and his <laughs> research being in you know educational psychology and um having such a, a, a varied career in performance and music education, uh it was a real fit. And it was an opportunity for me to remain in my job, right. which was such um that was very appealing because you you just never feel ready to leave your job. Um I certainly was not in any way, shape or form done growing and learning there and, um, you know, figuring out how to best build this music education program at this school. And so this was just a perfect situation because I didn't have to leave my position and, uh, I was able to, to do my master's, uh, Mm part-time and through the summer. So, Uh, And an opportunity to study with Dale and great colleagues. I mean, there there are a number of people who you know went through that program. And and it was just a perfect fit. And uh, it could be tailored to meet your needs. And as well, what I love about the program is that it uh, had such a, a pedagogical focus and a music education focus. So although it was a master's of music in conducting... Um, it was so, there was so much focus on pedagogy and teaching practices and Mm -hmm. teaching philosophy. And so whether you were going to go on and do a doctorate next in conducting, or you were going to go back into the classroom, it was a fit, you know, it really worked for variety of paths.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dale's an amazing person. I I've only got to work with him once, but I've through you know, through you or through Jason or through Darren. I've I've just heard so many wonder or Karim yeah. There's just like you name yeah. who has who has a university job in Canada. They've probably worked with Dale <laughs> at worked. one point Absolutely. or another. And, Absolutely. Absolutely uh, but he's one of those characters, yeah. even though, you know, I just it was just a symposium. But and you know how uh how getting up on the podium at a symposium is kind of like getting up there naked. <laughs> like you don't really, <laughs> yeah. you, you're you're uh, a little maybe iffy to do things. But whenever he's there, kind of doing his rugby coach thing next to you, you're like, I can do this. You're right, Dale. <laughs> yeah. And then the oh. animal comes out.
2: <laughs> he will. He will get you to do anything. I yeah. mean, it, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, uh, no, it was a a really, really valuable experience and it just, uh, it was, it was a perfect fit at the time. And, um, and I wouldn't change a thing for sure. And what a great experience. Like this, these are some of my memories. Um, I remember coming down, uh, thankfully my, my school was five minutes from campus So I often came down for lessons. Um, sometimes we did my lessons at like 7.30, 8 in the morning.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I remember one semester coming down for my lessons and then going back and going into my 9.30. My first class was at 9.30, I believe, and walking right into a band rehearsal. I mean, <laughs> and then spending the whole day with And uh, the program was grade 10 through 12 at the time and you know and everything from your your grade 10 students all the way to your audition wind ensemble and having had the, the you know your your first waking moments that day were were that lesson and then having that with you all day as you as you go through your teaching uh, teaching day it was just a really really cool experience so that, that was great to, to be able to have that basis for application, immediate application. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Just go into your classroom be like, I'm pumped for this. Yeah. Have my <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And so
2: many things, whether it was gestural, whether <laughs> yeah. it was pedagogical, whether it was interpretive, whether it was okay, I have to, I have to figure out how to communicate this to this particular learner. I mean, mm-hmm. what? there's so many facets to it and, and you know, you would, you would be thinking about that in live time.
1: Mm -hmm. It's really quite neat.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool to have that kind of immediate lab experience where Mm -hmm. you you try out those things right away.
1: I would have thought that uh, doing a master's and also teaching at the same time would be a lot to balance and would be challenging. But that's actually a really interesting way to look at it, that you had that opportunity to put into practice what you were learning right away and to kind of work with the concepts that you were, uh, you know, experimenting with. So that's that's yeah. a really cool combination of of things to yeah. do.
2: Yeah. And it helped that I was able, I was afforded the opportunity to do the academics in the summer sessions. So, you know, I would do the theory and the history and and uh, except for bibliography and research methods. I think I did a night class for that during during the school year. But a lot of the, you know, um, heavier academic courses, um, you know, save those kind of when you have a bit more daytime Mm -hmm. uh, focus and and free time to tend to those things. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you you've already mentioned uh you know you played in the Winnipeg Wind Ensemble when when Dale was co- conducting it, but then you also kind of what you do now, but uh you're you're now the director of bands at the University of Manitoba, which is a, a wonderful full circle kind of story. I was wondering if you could tell us about your position at U of M and and what it kind of means to you to to be there.
2: So Having come, this is where my career began in Manitoba and this was uh, nineteen ninety seven when I came here. and uh, it was a really big decision to leave newfoundland and and I had only intended to come for maybe five years the The plan was to come for five years, get some experience, maybe then go do a master's. and <laughs> I always thought I would eventually be back in Newfoundland and mm-hmm. it just didn't go that way and um and so I was I, I've always remain very grateful. And I guess um indebted and grateful that I came to a place that just so was so welcoming and became my second home and became um, well, not a second home, it became my home.
0: Mm-hmm. And a
2: place where I was so inspired <laughs> by the sense of community here. And everything about my career um, is due to the experiences and the people. And the sense of community that i've been so blessed to to have here in manitoba mm-hmm. and um so being able to be in the institution that is based here and give back to that community and try to be part of whatever you whatever you can do to contribute to making it a stronger and better place um, is is an honor so that that's the most meaningful thing that it's it's even more than being a an alma mater and 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 a graduate of here, but it's it's the community mm-hmm. even more so that um I love being here and I love these people and I love what they stand for, and I love what we do. And um, and I think every, I think it, you speak to anybody that they feel that about the community in which they work and um, you believe in those people and they make you better mm-hmm. and um, and they make you love what you do and inspire you and whether it's the students or the teachers or my colleagues here on the faculty um, it it just really is an honor to be part of the network here.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Did you maybe want to elaborate a little bit about what your position actually involves? Maybe some of the ensembles that you work with or courses that you teach, various highlights sure. and things like that.
2: So it is a little bit uh, like many of my colleagues here in, in Canada. It is a bit of a hybrid job. Uh, many of us, you know, we have our foot in the in the music um, side and the education side of, of the programs. So I conduct the wind ensemble and I conduct the concert band. I teach uh, two music education courses. I teach instrumental music methods one and two. Um, I work with any graduate students in wind band conducting, and uh, that is fairly new. Um, I've had two students now. One, my the first one just graduated last year, and Jan uh, Michael. Won- this is Jan Mike. Oh, I love
0: Jan.
2: Yeah, talk about an amazing first <laughs> graduate student. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he he's he was just wonderful, and uh, and another student finishing up this coming year. Uh, so that's been um, well. I should I guess it's been three years now. I didn't expect to have graduate students uh, quite so quickly in the program. Mm-hmm. So that was a. A wonderful uh, challenge and uh, just such a delight and to get to work and so inspiring to work with these incredible educators and and musicians. So that is a a part. And um, I also have not right now, but I have worked with chamber groups because we have a chamber ensemble program here that the students are required to participate in each year. So that is the, the bulk of my teaching responsibilities. And then of course, you know, your, your committee and service work.
3: Woohoo. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful combination because yeah. I, I just, I would, you know, I, I think I, if someone ever said, you know, you really have to pick, you can only conduct the groups or you can only t- teach the methods courses. I, you know, I would really struggle with that because yeah. I yeah. love them both so much. And then of course, you know, working with the uh, student teachers, um, we, our faculty of education does the placements and uh, sets up the, um, the the collaborative teachers and the faculty advisors and whatnot. So mm-hmm. we don't I have served as a faculty advisor for many years, uh, but we just developed a new bachelor of music education program, whereby we are less involved in that component of the degree and that's over with the faculty bed now so um, and also because it's you know uh, hard to be in the schools all the time with your regular teaching load. So my involvement with that is less than I would like.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: um, but we'll see where that evolves. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it's just an incredibly enriching and inspiring balance of of teaching activities,
0: yeah, and I, I have to say as as a a young band geek, and even even now i've always I've always been uh, impressed and inspired by what the university of manitoba does be it who comes out of there uh the wonderful recordings that you know fraser did with with the wind ensemble and the lineage of fantastic people like yourself who who have you know held the position of director of bands at that school has just it's been really great to to watch and to benefit from afar As much as we complain about it, it's pretty amazing that we can Zoom around the world for meetings, workshops, and, and even at uh, these great interviews that we do.
1: Yeah, it's been great connecting with more people performing my music, all from the comfort of my
0: own home. Absolutely. and, and like. For example, just a couple weeks ago, I adjudicated at Nova Scotia Provincials, and then I zipped over to Timmins, and I ended my time in Victoria, B.C. to do a National Music Festival event. And if that's not enough, I was able to shoot down to California for a conducting symposium. These are all things that... I I couldn't (laughs) do before.
1: Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And although I do miss being in person, it is nice that events, which at one time would cost hundreds of dollars to get to, can be attended by people across the world, like the event from our friends at the New Brunswick Band Association.
0: Yeah, my alma mater, Mount Allison University, will be holding a virtual Ensemble Director's Day happening Saturday, September 11th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Atlantic Time, for an online back-to-school boost as we work to come back stronger.
1: Key sessions will be led by Mount Allison Music faculty members Dr. Kira Galway, professor of music education and choral studies,
0: and one of my first conducting teachers Dr. James Kalin, professor of woodwinds and director of instrumental ensembles.
1: There will be other guests, roundtables, and social time, the latest on what will be allowed for 2021-22, and great ideas about what is possible.
0: And did we mention the event is free? Because it is. It's free. Join Mount Allison faculty for their Ensemble Directors Day 2021, Saturday, September 11th, to grow yourself and recharge before the new school year. Interested participants can send an email with your name, contact information, and areas of interest to James Kalen. And you can email him at jkalyn at mta that's j-k-a-l-y-n at mta.ca
1: And, uh, speaking of that, actually, we were thinking that the province of Manitoba is synonymous with strong band programs. So we were wondering from your perspective, what makes Manitoba band culture so special?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, it's amazing that people say that and, and people, people keep coming back to that. And it, 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 it really has stuck. And, you know, we, we see our own struggles, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, as a community, we're meeting regularly and, and trying to figure things out and try to move ahead. And of course, at following a pandemic, um, it's, it's a whole other, um, whole other set of challenges for, as like for everyone. But, uh, I, I've, I think, what it comes down to here in Manitoba, the, the elements primarily that make it so unique are related to the incredible legacy and the infrastructure of our provincial association, the Manitoba Band Association, um, dating back uh, 30 plus years and um, more than that, and the leadership in that organization and uh, the the Strength of the programs, and the composite of programs, leadership, the people involved, and um, and the dedication of individuals to make it what it is year after year after year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that is a huge component of of Manitoba's success. The second is um, the sense, just the sense of community. It's um, indisputable. Uh, it is just naturally what people do here. They come together, uh, people work together, people help one another. Um, I think the, the structure of programs in the school divisions, um, historically, although that is another issue right now with some pending government changes, but, um, historically, uh, historically people were really set up to be able to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And whether that was through the way uh, programs are set up in school divisions and through the network of the MBA, um, collaboration was really, really well set up. And people want to, like people here want to work together. They want to uh, reach out to each other and learn from each other. Um, Professional development activities here, and the individuals that have come in, such as Dale Lawness and various leaders in the Manitoba Band Association and our retirees. That's another thing I want to mention. I want to go to the bookends of this. I'm going to talk about like our elementary music programs <laughs> yeah. in our province. Are We have some extraordinary elementary music teachers here. And we all know your band programs are what the elementary music teachers enable and allow. Mm-hmm. It's there's so much dependent on those elementary music experience experiences. So the strengths of those programs, and then I'm gonna to go to the other end of it and say I, I've always been so inspired by the retirees in this community and what they give back to mm-hmm. the community and how they they continue to be involved and they continue to serve on the boards and they continue to teach courses and they continue to be out there working with students and doing clinics. And they just, they, they don't retire. They, <laughs> they can't call it that. <laughs> I can name so many folks. You think of Eric Marshall and Bill Christensen and Teresa Lee. And um, you know, the, the list goes on Blaine Workman and um, so many amazing folks in this community who, you know, he, they just keep giving and giving Fraser Linklater, Mm -hmm. I mean, he just keeps giving and giving and giving. And so I think it's like this massive circle of just commitment and that circle. There's so many tenets of that. And Mm -hmm. we have, like I said, our elementary music educators and we have our retired educators and we have our university folks who get out there in the community and Mm -hmm. they do workshops and they assist programs and they, do whatever they can to, to be part of music education. And that full circle involvement just keeps it so, so strong. And no matter what way you turn in that circle, you're learning from someone and you're being inspired and um, composers. We have composed so many (laughs) wonderful composers in this community who at the drop of a hat, will be there to work with your students and speak to your students, whether in person or over zoom. And Mm -hmm. Kate, I know you're doing so much of that now too. And, you know, like that's something else the students are experiencing now. They're like, wow, we're meeting the composer. Um, you know, whether it's grade five students or even university students, um, appreciating the opportunity to speak directly to the voice of, of that, Mm -hmm. of that art. And so, um, I think I'm clearly obviously very passionate about <laughs> this. <laughs> just, I just think there are so many important facets mm-hmm. of what make Manitoba so strong. And maybe I'm I'm extra passionate about right now because of two things. I was away for a little while and mm-hmm. also we've not been together the way we normally are. Right. And it makes you, when you sit and you talk about it, it makes you realize, holy smokes, like <laughs> look at what we have yeah. And you can't wait to to be back in that that circle of of strength.
0: It's good. We caught you at a good time. Then that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of those things. It's 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 funny when you when you mention it because you know not being there or from there or ever lived there Um, and just kind of observing from afar as i mentioned before you don't think about all those moving gears and how if one doesn't move the others don't move (laughs) so that that's a it's a really a cool thing to think about and also um I, i couldn't help but think back to um our conversation with ken lee christopherson and uh, and he has he had done this podcast that band together podcast where he had interviewed many music educators in Manitoba mm-hmm. about just band culture and and not just band culture but you know making it on purpose and doing things on purpose and to hear all of those inspirational humans and I'm not going to list them because I'll miss some but you know like yes. Cheryl Ferguson or be it Alexis Silver or any of the really fantastic mm-hmm. educators that you have in that province mm-hmm. um, it makes me jealous Jackie it just makes me jealous. <laughs> You all have to come. Just come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone. yeah. Everyone. I know. I was thinking, yeah. like,
1: that just sounds like such a beautiful circle to be part of, even just for a temporary basis, right? Like, I imagine yeah. that anybody who gets the chance to attend an event or to work yeah. with a band there or something would get a taste of that. Um, yeah. And I just love that you refer to it as a circle of strength. I think that's what you yeah. said. Um, because it's it's not separate parts. It's, it's how it all comes together to continue that, um, that cycle of support, I suppose. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what's a really important
2: element of that too. And again, it's, you know, it goes back to kind of the, the saying, you know, you, you are what you eat or you are the air <laughs> you breathe or yeah. whatever. Um, you know, there, there is, um, uh, I guess a culture here of really of valuing, um, all elements of of music education and that, you know, we we really do make sure that and, and I, I would say most band teachers uh, would be the first to say, you know, we we cannot do this without these elementary music programs mm-hmm. and these incredible elementary teachers. And I think um, that, you know, there's it's important for everyone to feel valued and everyone. Everyone just wants to know they're making a difference. Everyone wants to believe, okay, I'm making a difference. And I think um, the healthiest of networks is when we all reciprocate that value system and make each other um, feel part of the network. In that Mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, well, you've arrived when you've you've gotten to the high school wind ensemble, or you know, it's just no. This is a this is a big picture, and um, and there are so many things that have contributed um, to that, that journey for every student. And so I think, um, I think we have a healthy value system here that way. And I think, uh, and it's like paying it forward and passing it along and, and making sure, you know, those of us at the post-secondary level. And and I, I know my colleague, Wendy McCallum and Janet Brenneman and, and folks here in, in Manitoba, you know, we, we try to institute those values in the pre-service teachers and that, you know, it's, it's not just, not just your band program. (laughs) It's there's so much more involved and, um, and really making sure those pre-service teachers understand the complex nature of the job and the field they're about to enter Mm -hmm. and the attributes that are so critical to being a successful music educator and, and being aware of all of those things that are going to help you, um, have a healthy and happy career.
1: Yeah. Well, and it makes me think too, that if, if those values are so strong in the education system among the teachers, that those values would be passed on to students as well. And, because another part of the equation is how to keep students involved in a music program and how to, you know, retain students from one level to the next and one school to the next. So, um, if, if at every level, the educators are that passionate and, and are instilling those values in the students, then maybe they're more likely to continue on as well and become just like their music teachers and give back and the cycle just continues on and on. So it's, it's really beautiful to hear you talk about mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah the circle of life. Okay, um I'll cut that. I'll cut that out. <laughs> uh, but you uh you had mentioned that you've been away. Mm-hmm. And that's because you've just completed the residency portion of your DMA at the University of Kansas. So congratulations first and foremost about that. Thank
3: you.
2: Getting that
0: that's a lot of work. <laughs> um that <gasps> yes. I'm just diving into. But Uh,
2: I know. Congratulations (laughs) to you too.
0: Thank you. And Manitoba hits again. Jason Castor is uh, someone who is at the University of Manitoba.
2: Who is in Manitoba right now, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just maybe came out of quarantine recently. I think he's here now. Mm -hmm.
0: So um, I was wondering if, if you could tell us what it's like going back to pursue this degree as an established educator
2: yeah it you know there are many many benefits i I have a little bit of a joke <laughs> I say you know i'm I was late coming to this degree, and there are many kind of personal reasons why it took a while to to get to the point of being able to go whether it's you know related to my kids and the timing for our family or when I started this job. And so, um, but uh, I, I do joke about the fact that being a full-time director of bands and the mom of two hockey players really oh, set geez. me up to be able to do this yeah. with, with, uh, with definitely more of um, more efficiency for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it uh, it's, it's, I'm just, uh, that's a, you know, so interesting talk. You talk about my time at Mon and then the time at U of M and they're just such like it's almost like a dream right each chapter is like a dream and Mm -hmm. yet they're intertwined Mm -hmm. and the the I guess the the story leads to the next but yet they're all like their own dream and uh the time at Kansas was just wonderful um I was so blessed to meet uh Paul Popiel. we were actually uh adjudicating in Red Deer together and we met and uh We got talking and I, you know, explored the options there. And um, it's just a wonderful program with such an incredible uh, legacy uh, of excellence and uh, opportunity. Um, Again, another amazing community. I just, I keep, I keep just walking into these incredible
3: communities.
2: (laughs) And the sense of community there is just so beautiful. And I studied remotely for a couple of years. So I, that was one wonderful thing about this program is it did afford me the opportunity to do quite a bit of coursework remotely and then do the one year residency, which, um, I had to really load up. Mm -hmm. It was almost a double credit load, probably it was a pretty heavy credit load. But it's all done all the qualifying exams, all the coursework. um, And now I'll defend in October and that will be the final, final stage, but um, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Um, Kansas itself, Lawrence, Kansas, a beautiful place to live. Amazing people. Um, an incredible program, uh, amazing faculty and uh, teachers. It was just an honor to work with Paul Popiel, and, uh, and that ensemble, the KU Wind ensemble and all the ensembles there, the symphonic band and, and Matt Smith. And, um, it was a, a great GTA position and just full of wonderful opportunities. So, uh, I can't say enough good things. It was just really a wonderful experience. So. I don't think I answered your question though about coming back to it at this point. Um, I guess I, I should just briefly say that, uh, it, you know, it, it was for us, it was a personal challenge my husband and kids stayed here in Winnipeg and we, uh, certainly had to, it was a decision we made, um, that it was best for the kids. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
2: uh, we knew it was going to be the ultimate challenge Mm -hmm. and, uh, we did it. We're, we're, we're stronger for it. I'm sure and uh and the time did you know in the moment at times it didn't feel like it was going that fast but in the end it, it you look back and it it, it did go rather fast mm-hmm. um but going back to it after having worked for a while certainly allows you to bring a lot, a lot of wisdom and experience mm-hmm. to the table and um And you think of things differently. I studied, uh, Kate, you'll appreciate this. I did orchestration and arranging for the whole year, both (laughs) semesters. Yeah. And what an incredible, I haven't taken orchestration and arranging since I was an undergrad student. Mm. In fact, the last time I took it was 1994 when Sibelius was only a composer. (laughs) Not (laughs) a (laughs) program. And I, and and the the course uh, required the uh, um, Adler, like, Fourth edition or whatever. And of course I had like the second edition of thinking, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is dating me now. Yeah. <laughs> but um I I was what a great experience to to come back to that and acquire those skills. What an incredible uh, uh, experience and opportunity to, to go through that now as someone who's been teaching and conducting for 25 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And light bulbs, like it just a completely different set of eyes and ears and and a different concept and a way of perceiving music that you know would not have been there fifteen years ago, so I'm just really grateful that i I was able to go in with different eyes and ears and different experience and uh that I think really altered. Altered how I how I experienced all those courses and and requirements
1: yeah, for sure well we've talked to some people who have kind of done all their schooling all all in a row all at once and others who have taken some time in between to work or teach or do other things and it's always just interesting to hear about how that changes your approach to to learning and um, and all of that but it sounds like in this case it was it was the right timing for you even if it was maybe a mm-hmm. little bit later so yeah yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you you have mentioned the difficulties uh, in navigating all of this with your family and everything. And we wanted to ask, because it seems as though you wear many hats, conductor, professor, adjudicator, student, parent, family member, how do you go about balancing all of these roles? And we know, we always ask about the work-life balance and it's it's a delicate act and it's difficult for everybody, but we're, we're curious Mm -hmm. to hear about how you approach it.
2: Yeah. I think everybody has to confront that challenge. And I think no matter, you know, whether, no matter what your personal family um, situation is or your work situation, everyone has a million things on their plate and it doesn't matter who or what those things are. Hmm. Um, so I don't think, um, I don't think anyone is busier than anyone. I think (laughs) we just are all trying to make it and we're all trying to do the best we can do. And we're, we're trying to lead healthy and happy lives and, and be the best we can be in our situation. Um, I think over time i I think I've gotten a little better at it. Um, I think two things maybe is that you you just I don't know, maybe with time and experience you you start to see a bigger picture. And I think just in life in general, I think we're getting better at seeing a bigger picture, just as a as a bigger concept mm-hmm. philosophically and and in terms of what we do in music. I think we're getting better at seeing a bigger picture. And I think that's a great thing. I think we are moving past, um, and whether we're talking about repertoire, or we're talking about pedagogical practice, or philosophy of conducting or philosophy of teaching, or why do we do music? What is it? what are what is this all about? What's it for? I just think life has taught us to see a bigger picture. And I think seeing that bigger picture is helping us become, better spouses, better colleagues, better teachers, better humans, Mm -hmm. and keeping our perspective a little more just wider and open. And, you know, if you have a bad concert or a bad rehearsal, it's a really small problem. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) I didn't think that way 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that way maybe 15 years ago for sure. But I think we're all getting better at that i think and yeah. that the big picture we have we have a lot of other things to be worried about than a bad rehearsal and <laughs> um and i think we're becoming more cognizant i think as teachers because we're modeling to the students mm-hmm. and do we want our students to be fixated on perfection and do we want our students to be fixated on details that don't necessarily bring joy like we we all profess to want every student to leave a rehearsal full of joy and full of inspiration And if we're not full of joy and inspiration and we get caught up in the bad rehearsal or bad day or whatever, we're, we're certainly not modeling that. And so I think that's what it comes down to for humanity is Mm -hmm. keeping that perspective. And then that in turn helps us become more efficient and more aware that, you know, spending time in nature Makes you a better person, which will make you a better musician. Mm-hmm. You know, spending time in meditation or prayer or what whatever is your place of solitude. And all of those things, they need time. You have to make time, whether it's exercise or you know, reading or going, you know, sitting and hanging with your kids and just talking about whatever. you know, it's mm-hmm. just making time for the things that make life better. I think, make us come to the
1: job better. Yeah, that's really good advice, really good perspective. Um, We, this question was somewhat borrowed from when we had our conversation with Angela Schroeder, uh, who is a proud, you know, mom and conductor and really feels that being a person, um, you know, the best kind of person you can be is the key to being the best educator you can be or the whatever it is fill in the blank right and just just yeah. prioritizing the care of yourself and what matters to you so it's mm-hmm. um it never gets old to hear you know new ways of, of approaching that that mm-hmm. difficult balance yeah yeah
0: and i i appreciate that perspective which i i hear more and more of because i feel like kate and i's generation is kind of maybe the last one that has a foot in both doors where we hear about the old guard and what they did to get where they were, which I'm sure there were moments and they took time to do life, but it certainly was never talked about. And I'm not going to name names of famed (laughs) wind ensemble conductors, but you know, it was like, I had the scores on my nightstand and I ignored my wife and (laughs) whatever happened. And that's how I, so if you want to do what I do, that's how you do it. And I I always had a hard time believing that. But to understand how uh, uh, everything you said and how it affects us as musicians is a wonderful thing. (sighs) I got all worked up. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We have come. To uh, our last official question of the episode but before we do that i will remind all of you listeners out there that the three of us are going to go off into bonus episode land and oh oh man oh man this week is gonna be a whopper let me tell you you should have heard what jackie told us before oh my goodness i couldn't even believe it this i can't remember, she's she's really putting her career on the line here telling us this yeah. story. that's how crazy it is that's how crazy it is but anyway i won't sell it anymore truth be told we have no idea what we're talking about um, no we don't we don't yeah um but uh you can hear that uh, bonus episode and many many more if you become a patron of the Bandroom podcast and you can learn how to do that by visiting patreon.com slash bandroom pod that's patreon.com slash bandroom pod where you can hear lots of fun things that's all i got so (laughs) jackie dawson if you could give one piece of advice to conductors educators or just musicians in general what would it be
2: oh i think it would be twofold um to really make sure you focus on the joy and the passion and purpose for why we're doing what we're doing and to not leave any class, um, rehearsal, performance, conversation, whatever interaction it is. I'll even say meeting. Try it. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> That's that, the right?
2: ultimate challenge <laughs> to leave a meeting joyful, um, yeah. to, to find the joy in, in every, situation in every interaction in all our activities um so finding that joy and purpose and ensuring that the people we're engaging with are feeling that as well and the other thing i think would be is just being of service and investing into others mm. and um being in relationship and investing into those relationships with others be it your students be it your colleagues be it your professional associations be it you know, colleagues that you don't get to sit and talk with every day and you you learn something about them and you you learn, you know, you get a sense of their attributes and their values and, and who they are and and just going, wow, what a wonderful person. I've never spoken mm-hmm. to that person before, and I can't wait to meet, you know, have an opportunity to engage with them again. And so I think just investing into others and being of service Um I think being in an ins kind of an insular, or in, and even if it's not in everyone's, you know, it's not in their nature to be extroverted, mm-hmm. and you know maybe they're you know shy or uh, kind of afraid to take those risks and get out there. I just you know, particularly to pre-service teachers, don't be afraid and and just be who you are, but just try to you know engage and invest into into your community and into others and be of service. Mm-hmm. And I think those relationships and those, cause we, we get our energy from others and, um, whatever those dynamics are, what give us joy and energy. And so without them, and I think if there's anything we've learned in the past year, we are definitely happier together yeah. than <laughs> home alone. And, um, yeah, so find the joy in everything. Even the dreaded meeting, <laughs> and uh, and invest into others and, and be of service.
0: Yeah, well, that's beautiful advice. Yeah, I was laughing because Kate and I were talking about this the other day, where I was just I was saying I'm having trouble translating my passion in meetings into uh, something that's usable and joyful. So it's very timely that you yeah it <laughs> you is. brought it's, that up.
2: It's so hard, and it's so funny because. We all love each other and we all want the best for every, you know, and everybody wants, you know, everybody wants good things out of all meetings, <laughs> but I, I don't know that anybody loves them. Like, like, yeah. like, you know, it's not that we don't love the people we're with and we don't love the work we're doing yeah. and we don't believe in the task at hand, but I don't know what it is that we, uh, meetings are probably our least favorite thing. Maybe it's the artist in us. I'm not sure, but maybe. Maybe.
0: Well, yeah. you know, you know one meeting that I really love being part of. This podcast. This, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a this good I was
1: going to say <laughs> maybe maybe we just need to reframe like instead of calling it a meeting, call it a conversation, you know, yeah, call exactly. it a, a collaborative yeah. opportunity, something like that. Some, something like, you know, the just the concept of a meeting is like dreadful. Um yeah. but that's such a good reminder, you know, to just Remember that you actually probably do like the people that you have to meet with <laughs> you and work totally with do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> For the most part anyway. Yeah.
0: I want to thank you uh, so much for taking this time to, to be with us today. and it's been really great just to, to learn more about you and just to talk with you more in general um, and to hear
2: likewise. Hear,
0: hear, to hear your advice, and I always say this uh, whenever it does come true, Um, But to hear someone give advice that is clearly being lived out in their own lives is always a great inspiration to us. So thank you so much, uh, Jackie, for being here. You're a beautiful person. I can't wait until our paths cross, all three of us. It will be a fantastic time. So thanks so much.
2: Exactly. I would love to buy you a coffee or something of any other (laughs) nature at At some designated conference that we may
0: meet up. Yes, at I'm just take that. it. Down, yeah. Write it down, Dylan.
2: Write it down. I owe you one. Yeah. No, this was a this was a real honor, and I I would like to thank you for for creating the platform for people. You know, it's you're you're really doing such a service to the community by creating this time for reflection and people to share their stories and to inspire each other and and just. Um, create such positivity at a time when, you know, it's, it's pretty easy, I think for folks to feel a little low and this is a really great contribution to the community. So thank you for creating the platform for this.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for spending time with us in the Bandroom. If you want to learn more about anything that we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com.
1: If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast. Give us a rating and review, and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it.
0: If you really love the show, maybe you should consider donating to our Patreon page where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet BRP merch, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people.
1: Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, and your comment might be featured in a future episode of BRP.
0: Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the Bandroom.